0: I love what we're talking about. We've been going through a Christmas series, like I preach series. And so you don't want to miss next week too because we're going to end the year with, with a bang. And I love what we're talking about. Um, this one, I really felt in my heart that there was a specific word that God wants to share with everybody. Whether you've been here all four weeks or just today, the word is light, that the world is getting darker and darker and darker. And the, the fact is that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he wants to shine light into your life and so what we've been doing is going through the specific scripture in Isaiah chapter 9 and there's different names for Jesus that is prophesied 600 years before Jesus even showed up on the scene and if he brings the light into your world he's going to show it in many different ways and uh, today is one of my favorite topics I want to talk about because um, it truly is a good time of year for a lot of people it's not you, you uh, miss people that have been gone from your life, either the last year or the last 30 years. You remember that they're not there. But I do pray that this year would be a great year for you, that you would end this year with faith and hope and love and joy and peace. And that's what we've been talking about. So I was trying to think about a story to share with you as we began. And I was, I, I mean, I had to pull back it. You know, how my, my memory is not the best as it's ever been. I can barely remember. I don't even remember. Someone says, "Hey, what'd you have for dinner last night?" I don't food, but I had to pull back and reach back into that part of the brain, way back there, and pull out a memory of a story I heard in a sermon during Christmas time. And I looked online to see if I can find it, and it was there. So I'm like, "Hey, it was a. It, it's a true story. It's one of the most famous of all outside of Jesus himself. It it it, uh, it happened on Christmas 1914 during World War One." And I like history, so I'm going to go, I love that story. And the Germans, at the earliest part of World War I, they're fighting the British. The Allied forces were fighting each other. And Christmas rolled around, and they were kind of hiding in, their, in, in this, uh, this ditch. There were two ditches, and there, were, uh, there was a, a what I would call a neutral zone. I don't know if they call it that. But if you go out into that neutral zone, you're open to the, the shooting. You're, you're open to the enemy. And so what they did during Christmas was they would start high they, they hid, and they wanted to take the day off. They wanted to try not to shoot, not to kill anybody. They, they did that. The Allied forces, the British, were listening, and they heard in a tune that they understood, but it was the Germans singing Silent Night. And they go, I know that song. I just can't understand the words because they're singing in German. And so what happened was they started, the, the, the Allied forces were singing louder than them, so you had, the, you had the Germans singing Silent Night in their language. You had the British who were singing Silent Night in English. And they were singing together. And what happened, true story, is one soldier got brave enough to stand up and wave that he didn't have any weapons. Because supposedly the guy got up and the Germans kind of got ready to kill him. But they realized that he didn't have any guns in his hands. And so they all got up out of the trenches. I said ditches, but I meant trenches to be more historically accurate. Pretend I know what I'm talking about. And then, because that's the key. And then all of a sudden, they started, someone had a soccer ball. They were were playing, not soccer, they were playing some kind of ball game. And they were exchanging gifts that they had. They had pictures of their spouses. They were showing each other their family. And it was amazing because they were shaking each other's hands. They were hugging each other. And I, I, that, no wonder the story kind of stuck in the deep part of my brain because what united them was not only Silent Night, but it was the idea of Christmas. And that the idea that you can take two enemy groups and for at least one day because I don't want to know what happened the day afterwards, but let's just pretend that it all they all went home happily ever after. But for that moment, for that moment in time, the enemies gathered together in, in unity over Christmas in Silent Night. I love that story because I, I chose that one specifically because of what Christmas really is about. Christmas isn't just about, it can be about united families and united people who um, would not normally talk to each other. Have you noticed that Maybe not as much anymore, but like at some point in your life, you recognize this, that during Christmas, people, to, at least in my life, people that you don't normally talk to, you talk to. You say, hey, how you doing? You know, we're, a lot of our culture, we're so much in a hurry, we don't have time for that. But in the old days, it was like, you had time to actually sit down and talk and say, you know, get to know the person, and it united people that did not quite understand. Um, hang out with each other. Maybe there were not enemies, but they're people that they didn't identify with. They just didn't, they didn't uh, usually mesh with. But Christmas isn't just about that. It's that the Bible says that we were, and most people don't like to use this term, but we were, at one point, we were the enemies of God. We were separated from God because of the choices that we make to be disobedient to God. And God goes, I, he's so holy that sin, it, it, he, he can't, he's like, I can't be there. So we were, the Bible, this is not my word. The Bible actually says that we were the enemies of God. I don't want to be the enemies of God. But that is, that's horrible horrible news. But the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ is that the, the Christmas story, Jesus coming to this earth, actually unites two enemy groups. God, Almighty God, the judge, and humanity, who is like children who have disobeyed their parents so long and they don't even want to even say hi to mom and dad, nothing. All of a sudden, Christmas, Jesus shows up and the two groups can be united. Jesus says, you know what? Receive what I've done on the cross and you can have peace with God. I'm going to use that term a lot today because the first time I heard the term peace with God was during a, a Billy Graham sermon that I heard. He always used the term peace with God. You can have the peace of God but you can have the peace with God. And that's relational. That's a relational type of peace. And so what we want to do today is we want to talk about peace. Okay? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And I'm going to, it says this. For a child is born to us. If you've been here, you've read this a few times um, the last few weeks. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called. Okay, I want you to personalize this for you. Jesus will be called Wonderful Counselor. We talked about that, okay? Mighty God. We're going to end the year talking about the fact that God is mighty. You know, it's going to be after Christmas. I don't care. We're going to celebrate and we're going to shout from the rooftops how mighty God really is and how weak we can sometimes be and how much we need a God who is mighty, and that's next week. Then we began this by saying Everlasting Father, I said this, and I'll say it again, if, if, uh, if we could have the earthly fathers stand up and father their children like they're supposed to, a lot of the problems in the world would take care of itself. But last time I checked, I'm a human father, and so I'm going to fail Hayden from time to time, and to time to time to time to time, to time okay? I'm going to fail as a father because I am human, and there are times I don't know what to do, like especially when he was younger, he would... He would be like a newborn, I'm like, "I don't know what to do." He's crying and scream. He never did that I'm making this up. But he screamed all night, and I'm like, "I don't know what to do." So all that to say is, every one of us had a father, and even if they were a good father, they were not a perfect father. And we need God to father us in a sense that he can show us the way, he can put his arms around us, and he can say, you know what, I am here for you, and I'll never leave you, I'll never abandon you. That's who God is. Today is one of my favorites. I like them all, to be honest with you, but I'm going to say for this day, this Prince of Peace is my favorite because it's today. Next week, my favorite will be Mighty God. Okay, so today, my favorite is he wants to be your Prince of peace. Now I wrestle with this because Jesus promised that he was be your prince of peace, yet the world doesn't feel peaceful. How many of us when you look at the news, you feel peace? No. You have conversations with people in town. How many of us feel at peace? No. How many of us, when you're just thinking about what you dealt with the last year, how many of us feel at peace? Probably none of us. The more time goes on, the world seems to be going farther and farther on each side. And Jesus goes, I'm the Prince of Peace. And the hard thing is, is how do we reconcile the Prince of Peace showing up and saying, I am the Prince of Peace. And then the world's chaotic. The, the, the opposite to me of peace is the word chaos. It's, it's out of control. Things are out of control. Things are beyond my control. And my, the, my foundation of my life feels like it's buckling. And I feel like I'm going to fall and hurt myself. So how do you reconcile the two? Because to be fair, I, I've, I've read a lot over the years over why people become atheists. I've learned that most people are not atheists. They're what I call agnostic. They, 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 they want to believe in a God, but they can't quite prove them. But the people who are truly atheists, and I'm talking about the famous ones that you can look up, the reason why they're atheists and why they do not believe in a God is they cannot reconcile these two things. Number one, okay, God supposedly exists, which I do believe. I just got to throw that in there. But supposedly God exists, but then they look at the world and see how much mess it is in, and they can't reconcile the two. If God is God, and you say he's powerful, and he's mighty God, and he's a wonderful counselor, and he's, he's everlasting, he's a father. Well, it looks like God has left the building, okay? So I want to be very Blunt here, there have been times over the last 29 years, 27, whatever, how many years I've been a Christian, I can't remember, okay? I'm starting to lose that number, but um, in 1996, okay, whatever, I can't do math. This is not math class, so I'm not going to care about that, but over the years, I've had moments where I have had my doubts, okay? You don't have to admit that, but I know if you're a human being, you have too, but I want to say right now that the Bible explains why the world is the way it is. And the Bible even explains why we believe as a church and as Christians that Jesus can be the prince of peace in the middle of chaos. The prince of peace is not your peace with everything lining up perfectly. Because no, I don't know anybody in this room that that's true about. Everything's lining up perfectly in your life all the time, nonstop. Not Not me. You make plans, and you do this, and everything just falls apart. And then you clean up that mess, and then you go, like, yes, that looks good. And you look over there, there's another mess over there. Then you go over there, and you clean that mess, and you look over there, there's another mess. Like, when does it stop, God? You ever say that? When am I going to have a reprieve of all this chaos? And Jesus is over here going, I am your Prince of Peace. Are you going to trust me through this whirlwind of life? The Bible is going to explain because it doesn't avoid the topic of the world being chaotic. I would like to think that if I had a atheist friend that I could simply have a cup of coffee with him or her and I could say, with probably them not even believing it, but say, you know what, you're right. There is a weird mess here of God being Prince of Peace and the world being chaotic, so why? If Jesus came to this earth, why is it still chaotic? There's a reason why, okay? And so I want to say one thing because the Bible says that Jesus is the center of our peace in the middle of our chaos, in the middle of our mess, in the middle of, I mean, it kind of reminds me of that movie with Tom Hanks. Um, what is that movie? He, uh, he buys that house and it falls apart. Uh, money Pit. How many of you guys own a Money Pit? Don't raise your hand. Ha <laughs> ha. but you know everything's falling apart and the tub falls to the floor and they're looking at him and Tom Hanks and his wife are looking at the floor and he just kind of goes crazy and does the Tom Hanks laugh and he just goes ridiculously crazy that's how our life feels sometimes and all you could do is laugh and kind of look crazy and Jesus is over there in the corner going I am your prince of peace yeah but I got a disaster right here and Jesus goes I know who are you going to trust you're going to trust the world and their system and their ways of thinking, are you going to trust me? And so Jesus says, I am your Prince of Peace. And the problem is, this is not a new problem. For thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, this world has been a mess. The last time the world was a complete peace was right after creation. God created Adam and Eve and had a perfect relationship. Adam and Eve's marriage was perfect. Last, I mean, I've been married for almost 20 years, right? If we make it till July, July, June, June 26th, wow, that's the first time I messed up. Ah, 2004, yeah. If we make it till then, which we will. Last time I checked, marriage is, it can be difficult. It can be wonderful, but it can be wonderfully difficult, right, Lynn? Okay, it's not just me saying that. Okay, perfect. I feel better now. So no relationship's perfect, but the perfect relationship existed for like a little bit. Adam, he worked the ground. Work is not a cause from, the, from sin. Work existed, and he was able to farm the land easily. Oh, look, a raspberry. Oh, it didn't poke him. Ow, right? He didn't have to weed his, his yard. He didn't have to weed his driveway, okay, like some of you guys do. Like, I should, okay? But I don't. I'm like, whatever, it's green. It looks like it's grass. Um, and some of us, ours is grass. And, but, you know, all of these things happened. Humanity was perfect. You could go up to a... I thought about this this week. You could go up to a lion and pet the lion, right? How many of us pet a lion outside of a zoo? Like, you don't want to do that. You go between glass. But back in... I, that was the first thing I ever read when I was a kid. I saw this Bible and there was a drawing in the front. Uh, no, it was in the back. It's supposed to be heaven later on, and the animals were lying with the humans in heaven. I don't know if you ever... I don't, it's an old, old, old Bible, like a kid's Bible, and Adam, or the whole creation was hanging out with this lion. I'm like, that is a cool picture. And that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. That's how it's supposed to be. But then we can't blame Adam and Eve. There's a few things we can blame them from. They chose disobedience. And to be honest, you, throw, you take Adam and Eve out of the picture and look at yourself, all of us would want to disobey God from time to time. Because I say this a lot and it shocks people, but sin can be fun for a season. But it will always leave you feeling guilty and looking behind your shoulders and doing this and going, does anybody know? It's just a horrible thing to be. But at first, why, do we, why are we tempted to sin? Because it feels good. It does. If, it, if sin hurt right away we would never be tempted, right? I would never be tempted to sin if it didn't feel good. But during that time, there was disobedience and everything was out of control. You don't have to be a Christian today to understand that something is wrong with this world, right? I mean, you look at the world, you turn on the news and there's something wrong. There's something off kilter with it. It seems different, like it should not be that way. And in that, I would agree with the atheist that there's something wrong with this earth. Yes. I can't go up to a line anymore. I would die. Okay? If I go pull the weeds, thanks Adam. It's going to grow back. Because when when they were judged, one thing that Adam said is or what God said to Adam is now you're going to work, but it's going to it's going to hurt. You're going to you're going to work your tail off. Right? Thanks Adam. My my bad back is because of him. Right? And then, women, if you have children, it's going to hurt. And I remember when Hayden was born, it kind of hurt because I was there in the room with, with her. I was, it really, it really was painful to see her in pain. Right? And I said, it's okay. You can do it. And thanks, Eve. Right? Thanks a lot. Children are a blessing, but I don't think the whole birthing process it might I don't know I can't speak for women but to me it's not a blessing like no way thanks Eve in other words all this to say is the world is not at peace work is rarely at peace maybe your work is mine's not not during Christmas women I remember in the in the hospital room it was not a quiet room There was no peace. I'm like, Lyd, can you just be quiet for a minute? I'm listening to my TV, watching TV while you give birth. No, I did not say that. I would not be married right now. But so it's not at peace. But the good news is that chaos in the world is not the end of the story. chaos in the world does not have to dictate the peace that's in your life. I'm not saying that everything is going to go great in your life. I'm sorry. I'm not one of those preachers. You can, you can listen to a preacher that will say, you know what? If you just believe hard enough, everything's going to go right. Right. It's just not the reality. And I don't want to lie to you, okay? That the most faithful believer oftentimes goes through horrible circumstances, and you go, why? And my, que- my answer to your why would be, I have no idea. I'm not going to give you a fake answer, Right? We read a scripture a couple weeks ago, and I'm to read it again in Genesis, but right in the middle of the sin judgment, because right away, God judges humanity. And there is this thought, and it's Genesis chapter 3. Again, you can read the Bible for like two minutes, and you're already at this part of the story. And there's already a glimmer of hope. He's talking to the serpent, which is the devil, okay, And um, you can look throughout the entire Bible about different references to the the devil. And this is the first reference we find if you're reading it chronologically. This is not the beginning of the devil, but this is the beginning actually in the story. He says, God says, it's because you've done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. And I would agree with that with snakes and serpents. and Yes, cursed. Get away from me. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. Here's the most important part of that, because that first part's like pretty strange. He says, I will cause hostility between you, Satan, and the woman. You'll see, what's that even mean? And between your offspring and her offspring, think about Eve for a moment and go down the line generation after generation after generation after generation. Who do you get to? You get to Jesus in that line, okay? He will, what, this, this Jesus figure, this, this Messiah He's going to come in and he's going to crush, everybody say crush, crush your head and you will strike his heel. He's going to get hurt, but he's going to crush your head. And so this might seem weird to some of us who are watching online or you believe a little bit or you don't believe. You're like, this is where Joel's a little bit weird, more than one way, but this can be a way that I'm weird. I just believe this stuff okay? For some, this explains why the world is why it is, why evil even exists, okay? God did not create evil. You can wrestle with that a little bit, you know, because some people wrestle with that a little bit. Why does evil even exist? To me, this explains it, but you know what? There is a time in history where Jesus is going to crush his head, and he did that on the cross, but the ramifications on this earth of sin and what satan's accomplished on this earth is still there. It's kind of like when you throw a rock in water and you're going to have ripple effects. We are still experiencing that ripple effect of the original sin. That's why this earth is still not quite there. This is why we have relational arguments. This is why there's war between why can't this would be easy? How about every country goes, "You exist, we exist, everybody exists. Let's just do this life thing." And let's stop fighting. Boom. Easy. But why is that not possible? In the history of the world, why is war always there? Why? Because of evil. Evil. Okay? And it will be there until Jesus comes back, which I guess we've referenced to him multiple times today, that he's coming back. Joel, when is it? Can you give us the little secret? No, I don't know. Maybe 10,000 years, maybe the next 10 minutes. I don't know. All I know Is It could be right this second, so I better be ready. And it won't, but this earth will not be better until then. Jesus is preparing a new heavens, a new earth for us. This is not home. So no wonder it's kind of a chaotic mess, right? It's like having a horrific home that's all filled with garbage. And you say, I'm going to live across the street over there in that beautiful mansion, and it's perfectly clean. That's what Jesus is preparing over there. This is not our home. The earth is not our home. The new heavens, new earth. Now, here's the reality. I'm assuming, and I'm making an assumption here, that you're human. Pastors don't float. Pastors don't float um, on, in the air when they're walking. They, we don't walk on water. We have a rough day. You have a rough day. Sometimes you have a bad attitude, Right? Does anybody here never have a bad attitude? I kind of want to meet the first person ever. Anybody ever slip a little bit and fall? Hayden, that's a lie. That's a sin. That's one sin. You have to do three, three laps around this church after church. That's what we do in my house. No, we don't. But if you're human, yes, you have a history. You have a past. And you look in your past and you're not really happy with that. You're, you feel guilty a little bit. And if what if everybody in the entire earth found out your history and your sin that you're currently doing right now? Would you be pleased with yourself or would you be embarrassed? I would be embarrassed. I, you know, people that sin constantly, they're always looking behind their back. People watching, who's, Lord, you watching? Please just don't, don't look for a moment right see we all sin we all have history and you've made choices i've made choices that have not pleased god that's the bad news the good news is jesus came to set it right to ha- so you can have peace with god so you don't have to go to god full of that garbage and that crud and that dirt and that grime you can go to god clean with your hands clean and your life clean and he looks at you and he goes well done good and faithful servant I want to hear God say that. And it has nothing to do with how good I am because I've tried. Believe me, I've tried. I said, I want to receive Jesus and I want to be perfect. Oh, I can receive Jesus, but I can't be perfect. I can, I can as I'm becoming more um, discipled in Christ, as I'm, I can grow in my faith, yes. I am not the same person I was last year, praise God. I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago praise God. I am closer to God than I ever have been, but there are moments when that old self creeps up out of the grave, and it's coming out of the grave, and it's going. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. My spirit wants to please God, but my flesh goes, eh, you're in a wrestling match. Right? That's reality, but Jesus came to set you free. So there's two thoughts about Jesus being our Prince of Peace. Number one, Everybody likes enjoyment, right? You want to enjoy. You can actually, right now, this second, you can enjoy the peace of God. This is different than the peace with God. Peace with God is a relationship type of thing. I am at right, my, I, my relationship is, that, is right with God, okay? But I'm talking about the peace of God. The Bible says that the peace of God goes beyond all human understanding. In other words, all this stuff is going around in your life, and you can go, I'm at peace. And then the outside world goes, you're just crazy, or here's one that they've said to me: You're in denial. Why can't you just be real about your life? And I'm like, I am. It sucks. It's horrible. I don't like what I'm going through. I don't like what the world's going through. But I'm at peace right here because the world. They and I. I, I want Jesus wants the world to go to heaven. But the world can make all their decisions and be disobedient, and they can continue to sin, and they can be on the highway to hell. And I will do whatever it takes to be filled with the Holy Spirit and reach out to the world. I'm going to cry out from the rooftop. There is hope. But if they decide no, that's up to them. I'm at peace right here. Okay? There's a lot of things in the world, even in my life, that are in turmoil. This last year, it is the year of people I know having cancer. I I lost count. And every day, huh? At least four people that I know that are not going to make it unless the Lord heals them, which is possible, but, you know. And it's easy to go, but I can be at peace. See, the word that Isaiah uses in, the, in Isaiah 9 for prince of peace, he uses the word, and Jewish people still use it, it's the word shalom. You might have heard that word before. Shalom is not peace with the absence of chaos going on. Shalom is another word, is another word obviously for peace, but it's another word for completeness, fullness, contentment. It's it's an enjoyment in God. It's God actually bringing in my life and my peace can. It's actually the word can be flourish. Your peace can flourish, and it's not with the absence of stuff. This is right in the middle of chaos. And so, um, I want to encourage you to run to Jesus, and I want to say one thing about that about running to Jesus. He will deliver on His promises. Humanity will not. I won't always deliver on my promises. You won't always deliver on your promises. Your spouse won't deliver on your on their promises. Your your friends won't always do. They will not. Your government will not always do their promises. You know that. But God will always deliver on His promises. In fact, Philippians chapter four. I chose a different translation on purpose because just because most of us would know it. But I love it in the message paraphrase. I love it. It's Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. It says, "Don't fret or worry. instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, Shalom, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, His peace, His Shalom. His completeness, your life will feel complete even though everything's falling apart. Before you know it, a sense of God's shalom, everything coming together for good will come. And I like this, settle you down. I mean, you guys, you need your spirit to settle down a little bit. Okay, just calm down, which that's a horrible thing to say for someone that's freaking out. You just calm down. No, 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 no. You can't tell me what to do. No, you just calm I really feel. Just let Jesus calm your spirit. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I don't know who needs to hear this, but I think we all do. You need to see. You need to write this down. I want you to go when you're home. I want you to go online. I want you to get. I want you to look at this verse in the message paraphrase. I want you to type that out, print it out that bottom. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry as the center of your life. That's why, we, that's why we freak out. That's why we're not at peace. What's the center? What's the focus? You know, for me, oftentimes, it is my problems that are my focus. Things that need to be done right now or yesterday or 20 years ago, that needs to be fixed. That needs to be delivered. That needs to be healed. That needs to be made better. And I'm like, oh, there's too much. I'm juggling too much right now. God says, look what will happen when Christ takes the worry outside of the center of your life. What becomes the center? Jesus. When he becomes the center, doesn't, and I want to say this, I want to say this in a loving way because it does, it's horrible when you go through things, when I go through things. And I'm a person, I didn't know this until the last couple years, I do deal with anxiety. Don't ask me why. I know anxiety is a spirit, but I remember that's not the focus of my life. If if it's the focus of my life, guess what we're worshiping? My worry, my stuff, my house, my car, my job that I don't like. I'm just saying that that someone doesn't like. I love my job. It's good. I love that. When you receive Jesus, you get the whole shebang. You get the whole package. His wholeness. His trustworthiness. His completeness. The belief and the trust that he has everything under his control. And if you really believe that, and if I really believe that, that's why you can have peace. It's because you know that while the world is falling apart, he has everything under his control. Why is the world falling apart? Here's my answer. If you're an atheist, I don't think there's any atheist here. If you're an atheist, thank you for coming to church. If you don't believe in God and you're here, God bless you, or whatever. If God doesn't exist, then bless you. Whatever. Bless you. Because I want to say one thing, because I understand that when we understand that everything's under his control, that's why we can have peace. But when we don't believe that he even exists, why would we even think that everything's under control? If we are choosing wrong If we're choosing disobedience, in a moment we're gonna read the very last scripture before we go to the very end part of the service, and it's gonna help you. Number number two, and you cannot have the peace of God until you have peace with God. There's a there's a there's a number one is you've gotta have the peace with God. The relationship has to be made right before you encounter and experience the peace of God, which is a byproduct of salvation. It's a byproduct. It's like me, you know, buying a Toyota and I'm going, don't you just love my Chevy? Like, I haven't bought a Chevy. I can't enjoy my Chevy, which, you know, every car breaks down, but a Chevy, it won't let you down, right? Right? Yeah, it will, okay. But you can't enjoy something that is not there. So you have to have peace with God before you have the peace of God, Luke Chapter 2, one of the part of the Christmas story, even says it. Suddenly the angel was joined with a vast of others, host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Here it is, glory to God in the highest heaven. here it is. To p- apply this to your life. Peace on earth to everyone. Does it say that? Uh-uh. His peace doesn't apply to everyone. His peace applies to on earth to those with whom God is well pleased. Well, you have to be in the Bible to understand who, who is God pleased with? Perfect people, wrong. He's pleased with those who say yes to Jesus and yes to his way of life and it trust that he knows what's best. That's how he's pleased. And if you are saying yes to Jesus, you can have his peace. But if you're denying Christ, if you're denying him not only with your mouth, with your life, he doesn't offer you his peace. Romans 5.1, then we're going to start our, at the very end. We're just going to have, we're going to sing Silent Night with with candle, with candles. But you need to, un, you, these scriptures are all important. This one's very important. This says it all. This is the gospel in one verse. Romans 5.1. This is why the Roman, book of Romans is often called the gospel according to Romans. Because it has the gospel right in it all the way through. It says, therefore you got to read the before and what he's talking about. But therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, how? By faith. Not by goodness. By faith. We have peace with God. Why and how? Because of what Jesus Christ, as our Lord, has done for us. I'm going to read it one more time. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. And we're going to end this service. It's going to light a candle. We're going to sing Silent Night, and then we'll, let, we'll just pray at the end and let you go. But I want this to be a really special time for you and your family. And if your family's not here and it's just you, we are your family. We're family forever, and so uh, I'm going to pass out the candles, and then I'll light one, and then you can, it'll be very spiritual looking. You can light one, you know, here's my light, I'm going to light your light, Okay.